This meeting is being recorded by the host. It's me. <laughs> it's me. Leaving. I'm the problem. It's me. <laughs> Am I the drama? Am I the drama? I gotta get the hell out of here. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm Kirsten. <laughs> Anybody? Else? Nobody else is here. No, it's just I'm you. Blair, and I'm Chris, <laughs> and we are mediocre, mediocre content. That's great. We're so As good at this, you guys. <laughs> it's so good. Um, obviously, that is not the case. We do have a special guest today. Um. Yes. His name is Chris, and he's my brother, and welcome, Chris. Woo! Hi, hello. <laughs> he's not nervous at all. <laughs> not nervous at no, all. No, never. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have a special episode today, which is why we have a special guest. Um, today's podcast is going to be all about vehicles, and that's why we brought in our resident vehicle expert. I love how you said (laughs) vehicle. It's a vehicle. It's a vehicle. (laughs) Vehicular experts. Experts. You know what? Sometimes my southern draw gets a little deeper. (laughs) Okay. All right. I'm gonna try and stop giggling here. Um. Okay. So, are we doing? Would you like to do the good news first, or Chris, would you like to say a few things, or how are we doing this, Kirsten? Um, Chris, why don't you introduce yourself? Um, let's see. Uh, the thing that uh, we're going to talk about, obviously, is going to be automobiles, so why don't we just start with you giving us a little all about you, just a little short little thing. Sure. So uh, I used to be a mechanic at a dealership uh, for about eight years, um, and now I'm actually working at a R&D facility for engine oils and fuel additives. So like Shell V-Power, my company made the additive that goes into V-Power that makes it V-Power. So um, that's actually kind of cool. Exxon, we do their premium fuel too. So it's just kind of cool stuff to deal with there. Um, Basically just tear down engines and build them up, run the tests. That's awesome. And how long have you been doing that? Yep. So I've been at my company now for almost three years. Awesome. Um, Just doing that stuff. So yeah, it's pretty neat. For those who don't know, R&D means research and development. So it's Thank you. That was my next question. Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) R&D. Sorry. (laughs) It's okay. It's It's just research and development. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff. To be honest, Um, I didn't know it either until I worked there. (laughs) That's education. It's like, sure, whatever that is. (laughs) Sounds good. Uh, And always, um, Blair, would you like to share a little bit of a disclaimer with all of that information? Yes. Yes. So today we are not giving any car information or any advice on how to do things with your car. I mean, Chris, you could probably do that, but we could definitely not do that. Definitely not. Um, So (laughs) I'm not an expert. Right. Yeah. So, you know, just when we talk about these things, just take it with a grain of salt, you know, do your own research, Um, watch a YouTube tutorial, you know, whatever you need to do. Um, So, yeah, just we're getting ourselves off the hook for this one. So. <laughs> okay, and then I'll go ahead and go on to the good news. Does that yeah. sound good? Let's okay. hear it, because your notes are impeccable, let me tell you. 
So um, my first article is girl is cured from incurable cancer. Amazing. Um, <clears throat> so our friend, her name is Alyssa and she has leukemia or had leukemia. She's 13. Oh. Um, she lives in the UK and she was diagnosed with T-cell acute elastic leukemia in May of last year. And it was really aggressive, <clears throat> excuse me. And she had to go through a bone marrow transplant um, and a bunch of other different things, but they were able to do this experimental treatment. Um, and basically they have a breakdown in the article of like how it works, but um, she had T cells with a type of white blood cell that destroys threats in the body. So her T cells, we're out of control, basically. Mm -hmm. That's the basis of this particular disease. And um, doctors use basic editing to engineer her therapy. So they were able to identify exactly what was causing this and then um, alter the DNA and to resist and so to accept the chemotherapy a little bit better. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so they did some base editing and changes to um, one letter in the genetic code. And um, then they were able to alter the DNA and re remove um, protected markings to remove, were removed to protect donor T cells. There we That's go. such a mouthful. <laughs> I know. And then um, receptors were removed as well to prevent donor T cells from attacking the body. So basically they were able to modify all of these cells in order to provide a treatment. And it was specific to her particular type of cancer, which is very cool. Perfect. And so That's now awesome. she is in remission. Oh, yay. Yay. Yay her. We're excited. Um, and there's a lot of other science that goes into that. Obviously oh, yeah. I couldn't get through all of it in yeah, the no good way. news, but um, bottom line is we're coming up with much more innovative ways to cure leukemia, which is great always great all right now the second the second one is christmas trees and so i know we all just probably went through at least by the time this episode comes out we probably went through the process of either packing up our plastic christmas tree and putting it in the attic or throwing away our real christmas tree um <clears throat> so over eight million christmas trees are sold annually in the uk this article is based in the uk um and an estimated 25 to 30 million are sold in the US. Wow. Um, real trees are, so those are real trees. Mm. And so the, the whole thing with this article is, if you got a real Christmas tree, you're probably helping the environment more than if you got a plastic tree, which is counterintuitive. Yeah. Because you would think they, like if you're cutting down trees, that's always a bad thing, right? Mm -hmm. But the plastic, in the plastic Christmas trees or the fake Christmas trees is more harmful to the environment in the long term. Like after you use it for however many years, 10, you know, mm -hmm. years or whatever, um, you're actually like for that to break down, it's more harmful to the environment. So, but if you're using real trees, which absorb CO2 in our ozone, right. in our mm -hmm. atmosphere, um, then a, you're helping that and then they have to plant all these forests which is good for the environment 
as well. Um, and they're not all getting chopped down all at the same time, obviously. Mm -hmm. So you're kind of creating this like ecosystem and cycle by buying real trees as opposed to the plastic fake ones. Interjection here. Isn't yes. there also unrelated to your article, but related to this, isn't there something recently I have heard where they're replanting Christmas trees as well? Mm -hmm. So that could kind of be good, too, because then you're kind of like just renting it out and putting it back out. Well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's I'm sure there's a lot of ways to do this, um, but yeah. it's a good way to help the environment as mm -hmm. well. Yeah, and get and it also like bringing a tree into your home also kind of helps you learn about growing things and plants and you know you have to keep the thing watered or it's gonna like catch on fire or something. Oh gosh, um, <laughs> worst nightmare. You know if you if you have a dry Christmas tree and your lights just like spark a little bit, it's all over. right. It's not and good. And that is why I don't have real Christmas tree. That's that's the same reason Chris won't let me get one. It's and but it's going to be fine. So it's good for the environment. Think about it. You could even buy one just to put outside. You know, you wouldn't even have to bring it in your home. I'm pretty sure they just grow outside by themselves. Well, it depends on where you are, Kirsten. It depends on where you are. In my That's particular climate, they don't grow outside by themselves. Or if they do, they're giant and I can't put it in my backyard. Just need a whole palm tree in my living room right now. That's, no. <laughs> anyway. All right. So, and then our last one is old ass turtle continues to be old. <laughs> I'm glad that's what All you right. just went with. No, yes. <laughs> this is Chris's segment. All right. So this turtle, his name is Jonathan and he is 190 years old. He wow. was born in, believed to be born in 1832. Wow. Yes. And he, um, let's see. He, hold on, I'm trying to like phrase this correctly. Uh -oh. An old photograph mm -hmm. was found of him at the governor's residence in the UK uh -oh. and sometime between 1882 and 1886, which further supports the theory that he's been alive since 1932. So this is a uh, UK turtle? Yes. <laughs> UK turtle. It's, it's a UK an old turtle. ass turtle. It's an old <laughs> ass turtle. <laughs> I love that. Yes. Yes. He is the world's oh, oldest tortoise. Yeah. And um, they did a three-day birthday party for him oh. in his home because he currently lives in the South Atlantic Island. Um, um, St. Helena which is a British territory. So he's a British turtle. He's a British turtle, which I mean, mm. UK. <laughs> anyway, British turtle. And um, he's 50 years living there. So he's lived there most of his life. That's amazing. Good for yeah. him. At and least the article him... didn't say old ass turtle continues to be old until now. <laughs> right. No, exactly. No, he's still living. They gave him a cute little like plate of veggies as his cake because that's what turtles eat apparently um and yeah Get that cholesterol down you know yeah, yeah right exactly he, he's old after all <laughs> yeah just wait and there's i think he yeah. has does he have a twitter oh no my gosh no he doesn't have a twitter okay but there's saint helena tourism they do have a twitter player he's a turtle <laughs> all right all right that's fair 
Um, I'm just kidding. I'm but just you can kidding. but you can look at his pictures and everything on their website. That's awesome. So. Yeah, that's, that's pretty that's cool. Great. I'm glad. How much does he weigh? Play. Does it tell you? Oh, that's a good question. Oh yeah, I don't know. I don't know how much the turtle weighs. I don't think it is included in the article. That's unfortunate. It's really big. It's a big turtle, though. Yeah, I'd imagine. Well, that's awesome news. Yes, and so that is that's that is the end of the good news. Perfect. Okay. Well, (laughs) not sponsored. Don't copyright me. <laughs> don't copyright me. <laughs> we do not have the rights to that Cut song, that Chris. Cut. Come on. <laughs> um, moving right along. Was it that on K95 or something? I think it was. Is it? Yeah, they say it on uh, the radio station. That's where I'm from. Also not sponsored They're by like, K95. It's like a good news thing. They're like, oh, tell me something good. Again, not sponsored. <laughs> <laughs> We're that one no out. copyright. All right, let's get the ball rolling we before we before we get copyrighted. Okay, for sure. All right. So today, the reason we brought Chris is not to have copyright infringement, but in fact to talk to him about the history of vehicles and also his experience. But we're going to start with the industry and kind of work our way through. So, um, these are widely expensive purchases of a car, right? So they're very expensive. Um, they have a huge impact on our culture, and that's from music to movies to everyday life. I mean, I would say the majority of U.S. people have a commute, though these days a lot of us are working remotely, so that may vary now. But for the most part, cars, vehicles, transportation, huge impact on our culture, right? So um, there's always new technology coming in. We see it advertised all the time. Uh, We have lots of different looks going on, and obviously that builds preferences and things like that. So it's really kind of like that domination transportation for the average American, I would say. Um, We do have a little bit of statistics uh, based on Statista. Out of over 5,000 surveys, over 70% of American commuters use their cars getting place to place, which makes sense. There's a lot of places to go, a lot of distances to travel, particularly for those that don't live in the city where a lot of jobs may be located. And then the second method is public transportation, which only makes up about 11%. So if we're looking at 70% going by car versus the 11% using public transportation, that's a 60% difference. Um, just for the second I like public transportation just do you I do Mm. I love like I've been to New York a couple of times I love riding the subway Mm. and like when I traveled to Europe we only did public transportation it was awesome the trains over there are super fun I wish we had more trains here yeah well they have like commuter trains I think the thing too is a lot of and I obviously people in the UK use the public transportation a lot to commute as well. But I think like for America, it's basically just utilitarian. Like I'm sure they use commuting to like go between different countries, obviously, because they're closer. But for yeah. for America, you're just like, oh, got to go to work, getting on the metro. Yeah. <laughs> and it just becomes kind of laborsome. Yeah. Um, and like I mentioned previously, uh, this next note basically kind of points this to home the average american has to travel between 30 to 45 minutes to work if they're physically going so it's just it just kind of makes it more of a you know a chore than something that you're using for fun but um 
that's that's the basic start for that one. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Um, a little bit of history, of course, is um, vehicles have been around for a while. And I think a lot of people, when you think about the history of vehicles, I don't know what you guys think, but a lot of it is attributed to like Henry Ford in America and yeah. the start of, you know, that kind of revolution with cars. But it's not like transportation in this form with like wheels and things is like you know not been used in ancient history before um there's obviously many stepping stones that contributed to what it looks like today um there was a time obviously when animals and carts were used um, and this first appeared with the invention of the wheel around 3500 bce i'm sure there's debate as there always is on when the exact time frame was but it would pave the way for peoples in egypt and rome the greeks they would advance this very basic kind of model and showcase things like ornate chariots that would then be transporting the wealthy around the the towns or even in mourning. I know a lot of uh, ornate chariots were used for funerals as well and funeral processions of that nature. Um, And so from the chariots, um, ideas trying to automate these styles um, went into full swing. So in the 15th century, uh, Leonardo da Vinci's clockwork car um, used springs to create movement to uh, obviously automate movement. So you went from a chariot that was usually animal drawn to now people are trying to find ways to automate that movement, right? So uh, then in 1712-ish, there was a guy named Thomas Newcomen who is credited for the idea of using uh, fire engines, now known as steam engines, and originally used coal mines to pump water from the mines. And this model uh, was used to use that energy to create the movement for the cart. So steam engines and things of that nature started to you know, be up, up and coming. And obviously we attribute things like that to trains, but trains. This, yeah, I love trains. <laughs> but, I know this is the car episode, but trains. <laughs> trains. But it's transportation in general because these things influence other ways of automating movement of people, right? So yes. that's a huge deal. Um, and so after that model, uh, there are many, many iterations and there's too many to go through. I mean, this article listed like step after step after step and you could almost see each iteration just building on one another and now through the years um and through many inventors internationally the automobile would enter the gasoline area era thanks to a man named nicholas otto Um, he would adopt gears a fourth wheel to the design thanks to carl benz and then would offer the new fuel option diesel thanks to rudolph diesel so now we have um, a fully automated vehicle running on fossil fuels, which at the time, not a big deal. <laughs> now we know a little bit differently, but whatever. Um, and the modern vehicle today obviously has many different fuel types. We've gone from gasoline to diesel to solar to hybrids and all the new inventions that are electric. Gonna... Yeah, electric. They're all going to come down through and continue building a better and better movement for, for humans. Cool. So that is a brief and exhaustive history. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. So, Good job. Um, thanks. Um, they also have a couple of fun facts if you're interested. Um, 
this is based on statistics that were are now a couple of weeks old. So who knows how often these things change? It's now 2023, but in 2022, the most expensive vehicle, according to Lux Digital, was a 1963 Ferrari 250 GTO. Not even a new vehicle. This is just a 1963 vehicle and it's valued at 70 million us dollars wow. bless you <laughs> i tried to, to mute it i'm sorry it's fine. It's perfect um i have never no way <laughs> Um, I don't really, I, I mean, I know what a Ferrari is, obviously, but yes. I don't necessarily know a whole lot. I don't, Chris, do you know anything about this particular vehicle or have you heard of it before? Or... No. Not rich. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Um, I mean, Ferraris are expensive even by today's standards. So, you know, I can imagine something like this would probably be a collector's item. Um, on the other side of things, however, there's also the most an expensive vehicle of 2022 and according to way.com that was a 2022 chevy spark with a value <laughs> of just under 14,000 us dollars wow what <laughs> junk junk oh so opinions fly one of chris's work friends um it was really into tesla and Mm-hmm. when we were living in Virginia um, and he was super into Tesla. They like had, they called him Elon because that's like oh, all wow. he would talk about. And he had like two, I think, and he would like rent them out to people. It was a whole thing. Um, and so when cool. we got, we got a Tesla. And so Chris sent him a picture and was like, Hey, we got a Chevy spark <laughs> <laughs> just to like make him angry. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's brilliant. Thank yeah. you, man. You know what though? I have to ask Chris, what make what what don't you like about Chevy Sparks? I'd love to know why you think it's junk. Well, for one, uh and this is no offense to you, Blair, since you have a Tesla, but I understand. Uh I'm not big on electric vehicles. While they are cool and fast and uh, you know, more environmentally safe, um my company will go under if electric vehicles take 100 percent, or at least my position because i'm in the fuels position so if they take fuels away 100 percent, then i'm pretty much out of a job so i'm not 100 percent on the get rid of it all but uh chevy spark is just like a cheap car it's kind of like yeah uh, mom's note you know like <laughs> mom a Nissan don't take offense it's like... <laughs> oh she knows i tell her all the time i'm just like <laughs> It, this is just a junk car you know like people don't buy them and take care of them it's a throwaway car for people you know well yeah. and, and you know to her that... to her she loves it she there's loves something it. to you know, be said for that there's though. people out there that love it but yeah exactly there's definitely something there, to be said. so i'm saying this is like a, as a car guy you know like i know it's better out there and yeah like whatever but like some people just like what they like, and that's just my opinion. Everything I yeah. say is my opinion. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Well, that's why we had you on because you kind of have a different perspective than like exactly. what we would have. Um, right. But yeah, okay, cool. I mean, if it's if it's inexpensive, I think that's like a big thing for a lot of people. Everything is really expensive these days, and even if you like to Chris's point, even if you know that it's kind of like a throwaway car, you're kind of like, well, I can just pay this now and and have a vehicle for however long i'm afforded it (laughs) yeah yeah i don't i feel like when buying a vehicle though you have to 
there's like a there's a there's a balance right there's True. like a amount you're willing to pay and then also quality like yeah i think and i think like camry's and like honda accords and stuff like that kind of fall into that category because they're like <laughs> relatively inexpensive but also they'll last forever so that's true that's yep. a fair point i mean you can even go as low as like a civic or something i mean civics are cheaper yeah. than the accords and every you see everybody has one of those mm -hmm. and they're like i don't know hondas make really good cars and so toyota so it's like you could take like the camry like you said or um even a corolla i mean that's kind of Corolla is like a Honda Civic, but I mean, you yeah. take those yeah. and they're cheaper, you know, True. And they'll last you a long true. time. Awesome. So, so even if you don't take care of those. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, really, it's true. They just go forever. Um, all right. So I think that gives us um, a good segue into a break though, because we do want to hear more from Chris. We have a couple of questions. We're going to be posing him in the second half that'll delve more into these topics. So let's take a break. Do you hate a quiet house? Are you tired of listening to the office in the background while doing the dishes? Then you need mediocre content. Listen to us giggle and rant about meaningless topics in the comfort of your own home. Put us on in the background while cleaning your house, cooking, or even vacuuming. We promise you won't miss anything important. And you can always listen again. Choose mediocre content for your background noise. Welcome back, everybody. Silence Hi. from the crowd. I know. <laughs> Cheese and crackers. Thanks for listening to the ad. Yes. That's our second new ad. Yeah. It's going to be got one more and then we're just gonna cycle them through so you guys are gonna have to deal with it for the whole year i'm just kidding <laughs> it'll be good we, I, we we worked hard on those i would say i think so it's some of my best comedy writing which i have no experience <laughs> doing so it's great oh you mean like our entire podcast <laughs> right right, uh -huh. yeah, right exactly yeah. um now that we're back we've got a set of questions that we're gonna pose to chris and that will probably spark some conversation and some controversy so also re-disclaimer these are just opinions they are not necessarily the belief of any one brand or that or the other just friends talking about cars yeah um so christopher first question we have mm -hmm. what is your favorite car brand and why well that's kind of a loaded question so <laughs> um growing up like always had fords pretty much uh started out with the chevy and then went to fords for a while but always been like a chevy guy you know mm -hmm. like i had fords because papa loved fords and that was pretty much the only reason i stuck with it but now that i'm a grown man <laughs> uh, i've made my own decisions to get uh pretty much all chevys i got one volkswagen <laughs> left but everything else is chevrolet so uh i would have to say chevrolet is probably my go-to brand as of a lot of people as well <laughs> Yeah. And so. what what is it about Chevy, though, like Chevy brands that you gravitate to? Well, when you look at or when you talk to people about like their favorite car brand or like, you know, car guys and like, hey, you know, what's your favorite thing to do? And most people are like, oh, yeah, I want to go fast. Right. So a lot of these new Chevrolets come with an LS engine, which is like in any truck pretty much from like the 2000s or like late 90s or like uh, and up have all, all LS engines. So they're just really high demand, um, really easy to build, and they hold a lot of power. So their bottom end can hold a lot of power. So you can pretty much put turbos, blowers, anything crazy on it, 
Um, and most of the time it will hold that. Um, so you can go faster. <laughs> nice. Uh, and then, yeah. And then the other thing too, is like, because there are so many out there, like you can go on the internet and find out if there's a problem with your truck or car you're like, Hey, you know, what's this doing? And then somebody's got it. You know what I'm saying? Cause you're not the only person that's had this problem. Um, which is another really good resource to use when trying to fix it on your own. Um, cause shops get pretty expensive, but that's why I lean towards them. Um, and just for the fact of it's just my preference. Nice. What is, um, so I'm assuming it's probably a Chevy. I'm not hundred percent sure, but, um, what has been your favorite vehicle to own, whether it's been a Chevy or otherwise? Um, you know, this is going to sound like what I just said, 180 degrees, but, um, I had a drift car for a while and, uh, that was a BMW is a 99 BMW 323. And, uh, that thing was pretty sweet. And the only reason I like it is because I beat the hell out of that thing. <laughs> like, I mean, off the limiter, every event, I mean, it, it lived on the limiter. Um, and I didn't care. Like, it just i don't know I, it was a throwaway car to me you know like i bought it for 600 bucks um i fixed it for little to nothing literally went to the junkyard bought a 10 dollar part and fixed it um and then drove it for a little bit and then ended up drifting and after that that was pretty much it just see basically what it could take and, and if it didn't i didn't care because just like ls is like those engines are everywhere too so you blow an engine just put a new one in it like it's not a big deal yeah yeah um, me on a I saturday <laughs> oh 100 <laughs> percent blair's just out here like, fixing hers <laughs> yeah totally yeah i, mean, I don't have on base, I, you know yeah i have a frunk i don't have an inner an engine okay <laughs> a frunk <laughs> a front hey, trunk <laughs> hey, you and you and porsche owners you know like whatever. right <laughs> yeah <laughs> basically have a Porsche. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, yeah, that's fun. Um, yeah. that's awesome. I will not just be fixing my car on the fly as you are quite aware. However, I'm really glad that you can. Um, what, speaking of fixing though, what is the craziest thing like pre, you know, your current job back in your mechanic days What's the craziest thing that you've seen somebody come into the shop to have fixed by you? Or maybe, you know, whoever you're working with. It's kind of a tough question. You see a lot of crazy things. Um, <laughs> that's kind of sad. And as far as dealerships go, I mean, you know, you, you see some stuff that's like, I don't know, you're like, wow, that's pretty screwed up. So, um, but then most things are like just warranty work at a dealer. But um, I've seen, we could say a couple like flywheels have cracked, seen that. Um, can you can you explain what that is? And it's more so. Yeah. What is a flywheel? Yeah, what is yeah, a flywheel? So, so a fly, well, so a flywheel goes on the back of your engine. So you have your engine that sits like this, and then your trans is here. Well, there's a flywheel that bolts to the back of your crankshaft, which is in your engine, uh, and then your starter hits it, and that is what spins the engine over. So when you Got start it. your car plunger and the starter goes like this spins and then hits the flywheel and then everything kind of does its thing goes from there okay um, nice so yeah so seeing one of those cracked which is pretty crazy like you don't see that too often 
Um, and it was on a stock Maxima too. So that was just kind of weird. Um, I did see, so one of the problems, um, I worked at Volkswagen for a little bit. Loved working there. I don't know. Just made a lot of money, but, um, it was actually kind of cool. Not cool, but so this kid, uh, was working there and his dad was the team lead. So he was going to his dad and being like, Hey, what's the problem with this? Um, and they went for a test drive and it was misfiring really bad. It was lagging. Um, didn't want to move really just kind of was in lit mode almost. So you'd hit the gas. It wouldn't go anywhere. It was pretty like normal thing there. Um, ended up, I don't know how they got to it, but they were like, Oh, it needs a transmission. So they're like, okay. So they put a trans in it, uh, took the kid a week to put a transmission in, which is, I know you guys probably going to do it in a day, but that's like a day's worth of work. <laughs> I was yeah. going to say, um, not my expertise. I, yeah. And you talked about earlier, like, oh, yeah, you can just put a new engine in. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's an extensive thing to do. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, when you don't do it, yeah, obviously, right? But, yeah. like, you could do it 100%. Like, okay. Okay, Blair. Next uh, assignment. It's, it's my new hobby. You could, man. <laughs> yeah. You could 100%. Like, it's not that crazy. Uh, just nuts and bolts really is what it comes down to but um it ended up being they put a trans in it drove it down the road did the same thing and they're like wait a minute what's this about you know uh and this was on an old volkswagen cabriolet so this is like an old old car um and not too old but old enough uh but it ended up being the check engine light bulb like when you turn your key on and you see your check engine light and all the lights come on basically your car's mm -hmm. doing a self check and then when the lights go off that means it's good so the engine light wasn't coming on when you turn the key on and they're like what the heck so they took the cluster out replaced the bulb because it was just a twist in bulb replaced the bulb and the car was fine <laughs> i was like that was customer pay transmission like that was an expensive bulb there you know like oh my god that yeah, so crazy. sent that one out the door. It was that one blew my mind. I'll say that. that one blew <laughs> or, my mind. I feel so like, bad for I, that person that had to pay for a new transmission. Yeah, yeah. It sucks. <laughs> but but at the same time, at the same time, like while everyone in here is probably like, oh my god, that's why we hate dealerships. Yeah. But no, like tell me the the first time you looked at your dash and mm -hmm. were like, oh, one of the bulbs is out, causing my car <laughs> to not drive right. Like, yeah, no, exactly. That, you know? I yeah. Like, you're until never... <laughs> you until you said that the car was like doing a self-check every time you turned it on i had no idea that that's yeah. what was happening like i know that the lights come on and then go right. off and if the light stays on then that's yeah. a problem but like i don't know anything past that <laughs> yeah. me neither that's yeah. awesome yeah. no it's and honestly like you can take bulbs out of cars like chevrolet for instance you could take a bulb out like on my uh new yukon that i just got i say new it's an 03 but my i just got this yukon and like half you. the dash light yeah. bulbs are out, but yeah. it's like the car runs fine. I drive it daily. Yeah. Like yeah. I floor it. So I drive, for whatever you know, reason, like, it is what it is. Yeah. So for whatever reason on that particular Volkswagen, Volkswagen model, if the light goes out, then the engine also goes out. It's weird. It's weird. weird. Like it's stupid Volkswagen. Who designed that's that? All, everybody's <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, that's why you never buy a Volkswagen. But... <laughs> I don't know. Chris's opinions. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I thought, didn't you have a Volkswagen at it's one crazy, point? You had like a Golf or something, didn't uh, you? Yeah, I still got it. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I still got it. All right. <laughs>
was fine. Hey, when you know how to work on him, you can have one. It's yeah. fine, yeah. Because <laughs> he knows if the bulb goes out, it's yeah. not his engine. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Not my trans. Um, <laughs> all right. That still was pretty crazy. Yeah. So with all of that, um, obviously, you're very proficient in fixing and modifying and doing what you need to do to make your own vehicles run right. But you've also... You've also done a little bit of modifying for fun. Um, so mm-hmm. you've drifted recently. You've, you've done, dabbled in some drifting. Um, can you go over what drifting is, first of all, for the listeners? Thanks. So that. And Blair. <laughs> and, the Blair. Listeners and Blair. Yep. Um, and then also, yep. uh, we'll dive into a couple of questions around that. But first, just kind of explain what drifting is. So drifting is. Um, Basically, you're spinning the rear tires and your car is sideways uh, and you're going through a track that some would drive fast, you know, with grip, 100% grip. Um, And a lot of misconception with drifting is like you're driving without grip, right? Like you're just doing a burnout through the whole track and that's not the case. Um, You actually are spinning so fast decent tires to have grip to push you forward and to have control so um it's just like a you're sideways going through the track transitioning left and right uh just as you would in a car but your rear tires are just burning up <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> gotcha. much the, the gist of drifting <laughs> okay yep. awesome and it's um, pretty fun i guess the entry question that we have would be what is the first car that you modified for drifting um and what did you do to modify it yep so my first car was the bmw it was a 1999 323i um it was a very luxurious car back in 99 like if you had a bmw you were like oh yeah i'm high class um my car was not that so (laughs) Um, (laughs) it was probably like the bottom of the barrel. And like I said, I paid 600 bucks for it. So, um, I actually got a really good deal on it, but the first thing I did to even get it to drift, um, was weld the diff. So the rear diff it's rear wheel drive. So only the rear tires spin. Um, but it has an open diff. So basically one tire will spin and have power to it. And the other tire just kind of does its thing. Um, And what you do is you open up that diff. So it's got a cover on it. You open it up, you cut two pieces of metal and you stick them in between the gears because the diff's got two gears going to your axles Mm -hmm. and they're spline. So your gears are here going to your right wheel and your left wheel. (laughs) And you basically weld a plate in between them so now they're one and they'll spin together um nice and then that's how you do a sweet burnout with <laughs> two tires uh nice. and that's how you drift so because you can't have one not spinning in the rear um but that was the very first thing i did uh, and that was only to be able to drift mm-hmm. um and other than that you're pretty much set i put engine and trans mounts in it solid ones so you know, like our cars that we have that we daily drive and stuff. Um, we have like rubber bushings in your your mounts. So your engine and trans mounts are rubber. Uh, and that's to give the engine flex 
um, and then take away any vibrations that your engine has or transmission has. So when you're sitting at a light, you're not just rattling your teeth out because every little thing the engine's doing, you're feeling in the car. Um, but in a drift car or a race car, you kind of want that, right? So you can kind of feel, you know, what the car is doing. If it's doing some weird stuff, you kind of have an extra sense to it. So you kind of figure it out. Um, Got it. So that's kind of cool. It. But, awesome. Yep. Very neat. Um, and while you're in that state, so you've modified your car, you're going out to the track. What are you thinking about most when you're going through the motions of drifting through a track? So it's kind of like, do you have to wear a helmet for this? Is this a helmet thing? Yeah. Okay. Yep. I mean, right. hopefully <laughs> I just want to make track. sure I don't know. Like, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. You have to have a helmet on track. Um, but the thing is like, if you go and you watch drifting, right. You're like, these boys are out of control. Like they don't know what they're doing. They're just out there doing their own thing, but it takes so much to actually do it. Um, you know, as far as control, right? Like it doesn't look like you have control, but you have a hundred percent control. Mm. So your throttle input, your brake input. Um, a lot of people, including myself had hair, like hydraulic handbrakes. So basically you would, take a handle like an extra like an e-brake right but it's mm -hmm. hydraulic and you put it in your car and you would just attach it to the rear so you would tap into the rear brakes um some people have a second caliper on the rear so you'd have two brakes like this uh and this one's for your hydraulic handbrake in the car and this one's just for normal stopping um, but when you yank it it locks the rear rear tires up mm. um and that helps kick sideways that helps make minor adjustments in your line um especially when you're tandeming which is with like you and i right you and i would be drifting together um they call that's that so tandeming cute. and yeah Fun date no, idea. Cool, like, I love it. <laughs> it's great yeah it's like yeah get one go get two of them yeah um but the goal with tandeming is like getting as close as you can uh as far as proximity to the guy you're tandeming with or girl you're tandeming with um and then not hitting them. That's key. I mean, that I would be, I think, <laughs> yeah, I would be a little bit upset yeah. probably. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. You yeah. know, I'll be honest. Like when I first started, it was very like, when I first started drifting, I used my simulator. So I have a driving sim in my house and, um, it's just a wheel pedals and shifter mm -hmm. and goes to my computer. And that helped me a lot as far as like the hand-eye coordination um, yeah, and I then was the throttle say. control and everything like that. Yeah. So, I mean, I love doing that and that helped me progress so much within the actual like active drifting in the sim at home, you don't feel the car movement. So that's something you got to get used to. Um, but my very first event four laps in it, uh, I ended up linking the whole thing. So I can't say that the sim didn't help me at all um it definitely helped me progress faster um and i couldn't recommend that more to actually get a sim if you want to try something out even i mean just go ahead and they're not too cheap um but they're not excessively expensive either so i would definitely yeah. recommend if you're looking driving something uh definitely try a sim first um just to kind of get a feel and idea of what you're actually trying to get into um, yeah, I feel like, like, oh, I want road racing or stuff. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, there's a lot of hand-eye coordination, like you said, involved. Because it sounds like you have more than just like the steering wheel and the pedals. There's like other things happening as mm -hmm. well. Which so oh, that's yeah. that's really cool that you can, yeah, you know, practice at home. Yeah, I mean, yep. practice makes 100%. perfect. So even if you weren't doing it on the sim, I imagine. I mean, I know for a fact you would go to the track as well, even outside of the events that you went to, just to continue to feel the motion and get oh, used yeah. to what it felt like. And if you get end up with a new vehicle, even if you know what you're doing, maybe you don't know what how that vehicle will respond. You know, to the different one thousand percent that you have. So one thousand percent. That's great advice for anybody who might be looking into getting into something like that to be aware of that there are options out there for something like that. Yep. Um, and just then, remember every car drives different, you know, it's, that's the exactly. thing. And that's the case, whether you're drifting or not as well. And, yeah. yeah. I remember when I was yep. a kid, I thought that like all cars drove the same. <laughs> and my, I like would routinely, like when my, we would get a new car or something yeah. and my mom, you know, sometimes they like hit the brakes too hard or something. And I would like routinely be like, mom, what are you doing? Like, why are you not? This doesn't yeah, make any sense. Doing that. Little 10 year old Blair, like had no idea. So judgy. <laughs> yeah. I was like, Mom, I don't think you know how to drive this car. I don't think you're yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um, awesome. I think I think we have one more question for you. Sure. Um, what is the biggest advice that you would give somebody who's looking for a vehicle or, you know, looking for their next vehicle purchase? What are some things that you would advise them to do before making that purchase or think about while, you know, doing their research? Sure. So my big thing, um, and this was actually taught to me um, by a salesman. I know it's kind of crummy, but um, a salesman, <laughs> like when you're thinking about getting a car or you go to a dealership and you're just kind of looking around, you need to think about what you're going to do with it, right? Mm -hmm. So if it's just going to be your go to work, come back car, you don't need the high top of the line car or whatever, right? Uh, you don't need a big car. You know, if you're just going to work your office job, you don't need a big SUV. You don't need a big truck. Like what do you need? What are you using it for? Right? So really think about how you're going to use it. Um, and then the other thing is like budget, right? So we all have a budget. We're all make different money. We all spend our money differently, whatever. Really like sit down and think about before you make that big purchase, because you make that big purchase in a, you know, $80,000 truck at this point, And that's not even top of the line. Thousand dollar truck. And now you have this big payment. You don't know how you're going to pay for it, but you just wanted the big truck because, oh, I have a big truck and I'm driving to my office job an hour and a half away, you know, mm -hmm. like, why did you get that truck? You know, yeah. and that's kind of the thing, um, you know, be smart because you're going to be stuck with that for a while. Um, mm -hmm. as far as the payment goes, if you buy brand new, um, but if you're not, and you are somewhat mechanically inclined, um, always go for the deals in my opinion, like it's worked yeah. out for me. Um, I did finance an 07 Tahoe back in the day and that was like the biggest mistake of my life. I feel like, like not, that's kind of exaggerated, but like, <laughs> it was just a mistake because it's like, I didn't need to do that. I just wanted it. And like, it didn't hurt me necessarily, but it hindered me from doing other things I wanted. Cause like I said, now I have this payment and I'm mm -hmm. just fresh out of high school. And you know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. oh, now I have all these other payments that I have to make. So if I would have just stuck with what I was doing and buying like crap cars and 
I would have been fine. Yeah. So, which is what I've resorted to now. I, I find deals and I do what I got to do. That's great. <laughs> so I have, I have another question. Suggestion. I have another question. So yep. if you're not buying new, if you're buying a used car and you're someone like us who doesn't have any mechanical experience, like what, what are some good like green flags for a good used car to look for? Just like, let's That's say we're going yeah. back and forth to work or whatever. Sure. Um, so you want to look at mileage. Um, you don't want something incredibly too high. Um, a lot of people start freaking out at like a hundred thousand and stuff. Yeah. That's what I don't necessarily have to freak out because that's not a big deal. Right. Like a lot of these cars were made to go years and years upon buying and driving and all that stuff. Um, if it's possible, um, and you have a hookup somewhere, I would suggest as far as like a Carfax thing. Um, mm -hmm. But you want to look for leaks. Um, that's kind of something that you want to look for as far as that goes. Leaks, uh, smell the oil, you know, just make sure it doesn't smell like fuel um, or anything else. Mm. But, I mean, if you stick with the, the quality stuff like a Honda or, you know, something like that, like we were talking earlier, you'll be all right because those things were meant to go forever. Um, and then once you get it, so like say you buy this $3,500 Honda Civic, right? It's not too old. It's pretty new. Um, good rule of thumb is to always change your fluids. That way, you know, they're done um, mm -hmm. and done. And you can now you can now keep track of, you know, your mileage, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you get a car with 100,000 miles, go ahead and change the oil. Um Drain the coolant if you really feel like it, you don't have to. Main thing is pretty much oil, um, trans fluid if you want. Uh, a lot of stuff now you can't. It's all sealed. But, yeah. you know, if you can, I would. Just that way you know, hey, like these fluids I put in there, I know it's got the right amount. I know what to look for if it's losing oil, you know, whatever. Like, So just good mm -hmm. stuff to think about. That's awesome. Cool. Yeah. So, Thank you for that. Yep. That's good. Perfect. I think that's helpful to a lot of people. Yeah. I would agree because I mean you know these days you know, obviously it's a big expensive purchase and you just kind of want to know what to look for if you're going to spend the time and money looking for it so it makes perfect oh, sense absolutely um well we thank you for joining us today Chris we had a great time with you on the show hopefully the listener had a great time hearing something new we've never done a topic like this <laughs> for <Yeah>. obvious reasons <laughs> yeah we don't it's it's we're changing it up we're yeah changing it up. um and we'd also like to say yeah. you know um feel free if you have questions that you'd like us to send to chris or if you have questions you know or concerns about maybe a purchase you've already made and you want clearance uh send us over an email we're happy to forward them over to him and get back to you with anything you might have we're at mediocre content podcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at Mediocre Squawks and Instagram at Mediocre Content Podcast. Yes. Awesome sauce. And we will see you next week. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Thanks. Cheers. <laughs>